Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Text Expander and Trade. I'm Simone Rochefort, senior video producer at Polygon, and I'm here today with Brianna Wu, executive director of Rebellion Pack, and Christina Warren, senior cloud advocate at Microsoft. How are we doing tonight? I'm feeling it. Uh, I brought a special treat for the show today. Uh, we actually, after seven years, we have elements on the show finally. So uh, I wanted to show it to you. And uh, I've worked very hard on this. So let's just do it. The likelihood that Jim is going to allow us to keep that music in. <laughs> Do you think I mean, so? Oh, yeah. No, I, well, look, listen, no one's listen to a DMCA. Um, no one, but but there was some there was some cursing. Just in case, listeners, just in case this gets cut, what just happened <laughs> is that Brianna just started bumping some uh topical rap music. <laughs> DJ Razzlecon, come on, DJ this is Razzle the Khan, best stuff. Is, she, yes. she is, she is a truly terrible, terrible rapper. Uh, but we, honestly, we're fans. We're, we we're fans. We're, you, we've got to talk about. It. We're fans of the rest of the stuff. Christine, <laughs> we have had difference of opinion on this show before. I will not have you disrespect DJ Razzlecon <laughs> <laughs> on Rocket at all. She's very important to me. She's an icon. She's she's amazing. Look, oh, she God. she is she's definitely amazing. She is definitely an icon. I'm just saying, like, look, this is cringe rap for a reason because it is cringe as hell, but in the best possible way. Well, before we get into what everyone 100 <laughs> percent knows is our main topic today, Brianna, I know uh, so you just come back on the show last week after having some time off for your vocal surgery, and you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, how how everything is with you? Yeah, I got a bunch of uh, just wonderful messages from listeners uh, saying we're glad to have you back. Thank you, everybody that reached out to me. I got uh, a message from, uh, I, I want to mention one reader, listener in particular, Wesley, who wrote out to me with a really thoughtful note saying like, um, basically, Look, we love having you on the show, no matter what your voice sounds like. I feel guilty, though, if it hurts for you to speak, uh, you being on the show. So can you let us know if we are suffering to, if you are suffering to bring the show to us? And the answer is no. I feel fine. I sound terrible. But to really be honest with you, the hardest part about waiting for my vocal cords to heal is it's very, very isolating. I can't really connect with strangers like I'd love to do. Um, which leaves me primarily with my husband and work. Uh, and yet, you know, frankly, Simone, you mm. and Christina to talk to. So I've really, I've really missed uh, being on the show. So uh, no, it doesn't hurt me at all. I just don't want to ruin the show with <laughs> sounding <laughs> terrible. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, everyone who, who wrote. And, yeah, uh, yes. very so, sweet. Yeah. Very sweet. We here together are united in giving Brianna a bit of a social life <laughs> online during this difficult, <laughs> difficult period. It's terrible. I, I, it, I can't imagine. That, it sounds really hard. It is. There was like a girl that pulled up to my uh, hotel uh, uh, last night. She's on my exact same motorcycle that I own. And I'd be like... We got to talk motorcycles. You were so cool. And I can't do it because it's, I sound terrible. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Ugh. Well, we wish you a swift, swift <laughs> recovery of, of sound. Yes. Since you have Thank already, you. you've reached the recovery of feeling. We want you to yes. have your sound back. Sounds good. Sounds good. And now let's talk about a couple who have no trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. This is a really, no, that's a, such a good segue. That's a really good segue. Uh, listeners, longtime listeners and people who have been alive in the world might remember, in 2016, hackers infiltrated the crypto exchange Bitfinex and they disappeared away $71 million worth of Bitcoin. Or at least it was $71 million. Since then, it's become worth over $4 billion dollars. And all those bitcoins, because like that's a huge amount of bitcoin to move. They and people were like, "That's hey, we see the stolen bitcoin. There it is. It's right there, sitting in the account." Because of course the transactions are all visible. But 
no one was sure, you know, who who had perpetrated this theft? Where was the money going? Tiny, tiny amounts of it would be siphoned away and disappeared, obscured by by complex sequences of transactions. And this month, there has finally been <laughs> a, a large-ish development in that case because the government disappeared all the money away again. The government seized all the Bitcoin um, and charged uh, two people with conspiracy in connection with the theft. Those people are tech investor Ilya Lichtenstein and crypto influencer Heather Morgan, a.k.a. Razzlecon. Uh, she is a, a, a satirical rapper. No, she's oh. a real rapper. No, she's on, a real she's rapper. Got some it, skills. It, it was gonna say. I, it, I mean, it, 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 her it's music is satire. Us. No, she's doing satirical music. No, I mean, I think that no. she. No. I, I I don't I don't know how satirical it was. Okay, well, we'll discuss it anyway. This story broke after we <laughs> recorded last week, which is one of the great tragedies of 2022 so far. Truly, uh, like I said, the couple has been charged with conspiracy uh, to launder the the Bitcoin essentially by gradually siphoning off little bits of it um, and transferring it through multiple accounts. Um, according to the New York Times, authorities have not yet revealed whether they think Lichtenstein and Morgan actually like did the big hack. Um, apparently, in 2017, five months after the Bitfinex hack, uh, that's when a, a small portion of the money was moved in a series of transactions to some accounts which uh, Morgan and Lichtenstein controlled. Um, the allegedly. There were a lot. Yeah, allegedly. Al- allegedly. A lot of little accounts, uh, little transactions were made. A search of their Manhattan apartment revealed a burner phone and more than $40,000 in cash. Um, and there's some more wonderful details about that search that we'll get to later. Uh, a lot of the attention has gone towards Razzing, Razzlecon, uh, which is, of course, Heather Morgan's rap name. Um she had previously contributed articles to Forbes about uh, how to protect your crypto assets from hackers um, and, of course, created an alternate rap identity, as one does. Uh, my favorite part of this New York Times piece in particular is uh, the following paragraph about people reacting to the uh, to uh, um, Heather Morgan's TikToks, et cetera, et cetera, quote unquote. One typically irreverent Twitter user account that comments on cutting-edge financial markets in an all-caps parody of The Incredible Hulk captured a widely expressed reaction to the revelation. Okay, the hackers are not CIA. They are idiots. (laughs) That is from Investment Hulk. And finally, Netflix has ordered a documentary about her. They did so immediately. All right, I open the floor to my fellow uh, fellow podcasters. I have so many thoughts about this. Okay, first of all, Simone, I need to chastise you because that was not the greatest sentence from the New York Times piece. The greatest sentence from that piece was Heather Poole telling the FBI as they were raiding her apartment, wait, I need to get my cat from under the bed. And then as she's pretending to get the cat from under the bed, she lunges at her burner phone and locks it, and the <gasps> FBI gets in a tug of war with her. That was the greatest sentence there. So I just don't agree with your take there. And I think it makes I, you question. I your would argue that that was the greatest yes. scene, but it was not okay. the greatest written sentence. Okay. But I'll give you that. Okay. I mean, that is absolutely the greatest scene. I mean, in fact, when this when this is inevitably made into a um uh like when a, Shonda a, Rhimes gets her hands on it. Exactly. When when, when Allison Brie plays Heather Morgan. Oh. <laughs> Yes. When Al- yes. Look, and I have to give all credit yes. to Justin Williams for yes. that because he called that casting first. And Justin is absolutely correct. This is the role. Like, look, Glow season four was taken away from us, which was awful. And I'm still mad about it because it was oh, renewed I and then it was taken away from us. about that. Right? So Netflix owes us. So oh, my God. I'll- it's like you just ripped open a terrible I know. wound in my heart. <laughs> I-, I know. I know because it was going to come back and they were going to do it. And then they were just like, well, because of scheduling stuff, we're just not going to do it now. Really freaking terrible. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because of that, this is a role I and look. Just looking at how how cringe she is, just looking at the facial structure, the whole thing. This is Allison Brie's part to lose, and and so <laughs> anybody else you want to cast for this, I'm sorry, no, it's Allison Brie. Um. So, but yeah, I agree. That is that is going to be like the standout scene because that is like a when when Ross Ulbricht when like the the <laughs> FBI took his laptop from him at yes. the library when they yes. faked a fight. They made it seem like two homeless people were having a fight, and he turns his head for a second, and then the the chick sitting across from him just yoinks it out of his hand. 
like, yeah, um, the, the, the tug of war over the burner phone is a, a great, great scene. Um, also, can we talk about that? She got out on bond. She did. What? Did she? Just today. I had not heard this. Oh no. Yes. This is breaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So 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 the husband Ilya um is is still um being held while the wife gets bond. I'm just going to be straight up and say that's some sexism because I feel like all everything we've seen shows that they're both pretty culpable in this. Um and uh yeah. I, I, I I know I, there there was some concern because he has a dual uh, Russian citizenship American and citizenship Russia. that so he take, would so, be okay. able to flee. But he wouldn't, though, because you take his yeah, passport. I, sure. Fair enough. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like honestly, like, uh, like because honestly, if you're going to go through that mind exercise, oh, well, he's a flight risk. Well, then so is she. So yeah. if, 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 you, if you're assuming... Are you questioning her judgment, Christina? I can't believe you would question Razzlecon on the show. I know. How can I question Razzlecon? How, how can I question such a fine Forbes contributor? That is my favorite part of all of this. <laughs> oh, God. That's a that's a very good element uh, okay. that you've hit on there. Yeah, let's yes. discuss that quickly. Let's discuss yeah. this. So, so for listeners, so, so Forbes, which was once a well-respected publication, <laughs> um, I would say in 2008 sometime, they opened up their contributor network, which basically was like they saw like the success of HuffPost and some other places and they were like, well, yeah, we should just let any anybody write for us. And if they get enough of traffic, we will pay them. And there are like there have been different levels over the years of how you could get in, but it's become kind of a well-known kind of scam and kind of like a, a dilution of because I I've known some some very good people who've worked at Forbes. Um and I feel for them every single time this stuff happens because I'm like, you know, your brand, because of your leadership, has like purposefully diluted and and ruined um, like your reputation by letting just any rando person write about their friends and 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 even then sell things to people like oh well, we can get you a mention in a Forbes article for five thousand dollars this is a real thing that happens and then what winds up happening is that is like some contributor who writes something nice about somebody's you know company mm-hmm. so so anyway this this person she was a Forbes contributor. As part of that, and and that to me is just my favorite part of this because, of course, she was. Of, of course, she was. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. This is this is my favorite part of this story, and I'm going to get really honest with and probably too vulnerable with both of you. Um, so we 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 cover a lot of scams on this show. We cover Elizabeth Holmes. You know, we're we're kind of covering in a in a Delvey uh, later on in the show today. And I love all these scamstresses. They're they're all amazing. But I know in my heart of heart that I could never be uh, uh, Elizabeth Holmes. I just don't have that level of talent. I could never run a scam on the 1% uh, like Anna Delvey did. Right. I, I could be Heather Poole. I, I feel like that's that's a scam level I can aspire to. Totally. She's the target scammer. And what I love about her is she's so – her complete lack of talent <laughs> just comes yes. through in every – Video, it's down to the smallest details. It's like her it's, lipstick is her lipstick basic. Is on terribly, right? It's Horrible. Not, it, yes. It, 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 like, like not. It's the slightly wrong color, and and like yes. I'm not going to get on her for that. But the color is wrong slightly. Like she could do, she could do a bright red lip, just not that particular shade. But it's the application, and I'm going to disagree with you, Simone. I don't think that it's an. I don't think it's like intentionally bad. I think that it's like not. Like, I, I don't think that she's leaning into, like, I, I don't think that she was making this as being like, yes, I know this is terrible and 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 this is ironic. I, 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 um, may, maybe she was trying to play that off a little bit. I, I think I just she's don't. giving it her all. I really do. I think she has, like, like, this much talent. And what kills me about her, Christina, is, like, you and I have more talent than she does, but we don't have those billions of dollars. So right. well, we did something wrong along the well, way, I Well, think. to be fair, <laughs> neither did she. I was going to say, I was going to say, also in fairness, and I mentioned this on Twitter, and, and apparently it even, like, people were screenshotting it and putting it on Instagram, which I appreciate. Thank you. Please do this. Also follow me on Instagram. Um, <laughs> but, um like if you have this much and then people were trying to get into the semantics of of money laundering with me which I don't know enough about so 
and neither do you in most cases, so whatever. But genuinely, if you have access to this much stuff, why in the hell have you not gone to um, Morocco? Like, why are you not in, in, like, why have you not gone to an island that doesn't have an extradition policy, like gone to Indonesia? I'm not even joking because you pay off the officials is what I, is what I'm thinking you do. Um, again, I'm not an expert with this. This is not my, my like goal in life, but I do guarantee you that if I ever was in this position where I was trying to launder this amount of money, I would not be in New York city where you have one of the most competent, um, police forces, you know, in, in, in FBI units to actually investigate these crimes. Again, the, the Ross Ulbricht stuff should teach you that. Like they actually know what they're doing. They're actually competent, which, you know, a lot of uh, law enforcement are not when it comes to tech crimes. New York City is. It, that would be like the last place I would be. Like, I, I would I would not be anywhere near the United States of America or I, any I think place with an extradition treaty. I think your point stands because even if they didn't have access to the full and uh, now four billion here, they had enough for a downtown exactly. Manhattan apartment. They had enough right. to get to a different country this is what and I'm then saying. figure it out. So this I think is you're what totally I'm saying. right. Yeah. I mean, also he has Russian citizenship. So again, like, what is your problem? Like, like seriously, like how dumb are you? Which, which goes to your point, Brie, which is we've clearly done something wrong because we were never even in a position to potentially steal this much money or launder this much money because <laughs> uh, they, they clearly didn't hack it. So, um, but to me, that's, that's yeah, I think, the I, most wonderful speaking, thing. Speaking, I guess, in a pure, a realm of pure conjecture here, which we are entering into a, an allegation and conjecture zone only, of course. do you two think that they were involved in the original hack? No. I mean, maybe they knew the person who did, but um, I think he might, I, my, my gut feeling says that he might have known people who did the hack. Mm. But yeah. I don't, yeah. but, 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 that, but that's going to be as far as it goes. Like, I, I don't, I don't know if, if they had the, the skills among it. Cause I feel like if, I feel like at this point with all the other stuff they have them dead to rights, like they were trying to launder stuff using Walmart gift cards. Let's also talk about that feature, which is oh, just amazing gosh. to me, um, which is look, buying um, gift cards is like actually a very common money laundering scheme. But if you have this much money and it's like from this size of a crypto hack, that is again, one of the dumbest things you can do because they track those cards now. Like mm-hmm. anyway, um, again, I'm not a criminal. I don't, I don't know why I know all this stuff, but I do. But you're I, a journalist. I don't you kind of consider stuff. being yeah. a criminal, Christina. I mean, I have. I mean, that's, I, I kind of would what, love it. <sighs> no, I was just going to say, like, what really gets me is, you know, we haven't even really covered. Did y'all cover Cryptoland while I was gone by chance? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. Cryptoland. You look at the jokers behind that. And it's like not much talent. Let's just be real. Not that much talent. And you look at these guys, not much talent. And it's like, Christina, I'm telling you, we quit our jobs. We go to the Bitcoin scene. We like pretend to have a conversion to all this stuff. We I, could run the entire prison. Uh, I'm just uh, telling you. Honestly, honestly, you know what? If if I didn't have like a certain set of like set morals and ethics, I I, I totally would be I down mean, for that. That is that is the only thing that prevents me from honestly. That's the only if thing I that prevents me. If I were a person, me. I would be an elephant. <laughs> well, no, I mean that's the only thing that does stop me because sometimes I do like look at like the, the the crypto space and how crazy it is, and I'm like, God damn it you know like i really wish that i i didn't have like there wasn't a, a line for me where i'm like yep can't do that um because the it really does seem like the money is still out there for the taking and look maybe i would get t- taken i mean to be clear like that's like, the thing we- that i think because uh, so many of the people who are currently quite wealthy through crypto come from established wealth and i and, and also when you look at the people who traditionally get away with crimes Oh yeah, they are 100%. often also they have a of course a certain level of affluence to them. So I, which like not that we don't have that, um, but not that much. <laughs> I mean, we don't have that much, but I don't know. I mean, my I don't know. Like I, I I feel like that that part of it. Like, but we are like like 
middle upper middle class white women. Like we yeah. we would do a lot better than That's a lot true. of other people, honestly. This is how I would do it though. Simone, I would get you like a red wig and some glasses and okay. I would sell Simone as the next Satoshi. Like so the next alias. Bitcoin oh my God. <laughs> no, 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 no. You, yeah. you 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 be you be JT Leroy, but like that that's a reference that three people in the audience will get. Um, but 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 the crypto Satoshi, I love it. That would actually I, be really and great. We would and we would pretend like Simone's got some some hyper advanced technology. We cram every buzzword in there: blockchain, public pleasure, every freaking word of it, and we get them in on the action, and then. Christina, you and I would like get a ton of money for our bank account. We'd be out there just with money, buying it all publicly and start the craze. I'm telling you, we could clean up and buy our own private island in a pump and pump. Well, and the, well, but then well, I would I have to say, live on a freaking island. I mean, oh no, we'd have to live in Marrakesh. Like how terrible. Like, I mean, again, I think like you pay off the, you, you pay off certain people enough. And as you said, they had like a downtown apartment. So they were clearly using some of this. So it, it, to me, honestly, the most shocking thing of all of this, it, it still remains that they would like stay in New York city for as long as they did. But to go yes, back to your foolish. original question, I, I feel like he might've known the hackers, but I feel like if he had actually been involved or if either of them had actually been involved in the hacking, I feel like that would have, that charge would have come. I mean, maybe they're awaiting yeah. it, but, but I feel like they would have had that information. That makes sense. So so where where is she? Where is Heather Poole in the scam, the scamstress like all time great list? Ugh. Like like would you put her? Because I she's gotta I be know, low for me. I know <laughs> Anna Delphi has a place in your heart. I I know it, but I I feel like I feel like she's the underdog, right? Like she's she's the old Miss Rebels going up against LSU, right? Like you just want her to win. Oh, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I gotta say, I, th- I I think that she's relatively low for me only because they didn't get away with it. Like they got yeah. caught and they got caught early. Yeah, now, that's fair. Now it's interesting, and the so also the social media. Like I, I was I was uh, talking about this on Twitter with um uh with uh, um uh, Sarah Emerson who wrote about this for for Vice and or not for Vice for for BuzzFeed who um you know made the original connection to the uh, Fortune stuff. Um, or Forbes stuff, rather, uh, apologies, Fortune, um, <laughs> that uh, like she has like a massive social media presence, which a lot of these people don't have. I mean, Anna Delby had an Instagram, but it's not like she had, you know, a LinkedIn and all these other connections and other stuff like and and then I think I think we can all agree that like Anna Delby, she was a scam artist, but she she was ostensibly trying to scam to actually get something going, right? Like, it, it didn't seem like the fraud. I think even, like, her biggest detractors would not say that, like, the whole thing was, you know, um, just to, you know, like, put money in her pocket. I mean, that was part of it. But, I, but, you know, like, she she wanted to do her weird um, um, Soho Club uh, for, for artists thing. Um, whereas, you know, these people just the, – the, massively long trail of, of social media profiles and public stuff and, and, and TikToks and whatnot, which is just like, girl, that's not what you do. If you're trying to get rid of this much cash, like, come on. That's the thing that I, I, I'm experiencing perhaps the, the cringe or the reaction to the cringe, which is that if there's nothing more embarrassing than somebody making intentional or maybe even not intentionally there's nothing more embarrassing than people making cringy embarrassing content and not being successful from it correct <laughs> correct i feel lowered by this <laughs> no agree because that's the thing like if she if she'd been like a here's the thing i would have so much more respect for this if she'd been like a really well-known scammer like if we all knew her and we didn't know she was laundering stuff but if we were it like we're caroline calloway <gasps> 100%. I was good. Perfect. Caroline Calloway is the perfect example because she's cringe as hell and she's ridiculous, but also girl has made it work for her and I kind of love her, right? Like there's, there's a certain amount of me that I'm like, I would never want to hang out with you, but I would she's totally entertaining to, to me. She's very entertaining to me. And I would say this, I would like never want to like, like I would never like want to call her up and be like, let's, let's hang out like one-on-one. But if she was at a party and um, I was at a party. I would absolutely talk to her. James Frey. Do you guys remember him? Oh, He's yeah. the guy who, who like Oprah yelled at. I was at a party once with James Frey and I talked to that man all night long. Was it entertaining? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, and he and he was pretty open about stuff. It was it was a it was a party with a bunch of very like well-heeled media elite like entertainment people like the creator of 30 for 30 was there and like Paul Schrader the the uh, screenwriter was there it was a weird night huh. anyway um it's nice to say yes I did spend a lot of time talking with James Frey and he was fascinating and I was like yeah all right tell me more tell me more about how what, what was it like when Oprah yelled at you tell me more um it was fantastic so I would totally hang out with C- Carolyn Calloway at a party I feel like there hasn't been a great, a deeply reported piece on her yet, right? If this is going to be optioned into a TV deal, like, we need really good writers to get out there and dig up the friend details. Like, you know, the New York Times piece, it it hints around, like, some of her friends who are blindsided about this, but it's very, you know— conservative in the in the storytelling sense the way the New York Times piece is totally we, we need someone to go out there pound the pavement like go go meet the people that produced this glorious rap video like <laughs> what was that shoot day like oh, I, I want that know oral that. history right yes. same yes I, I, I do One, oh yeah and and that's the thing so okay so who would be the outlets to be able to do this? I guess it would be like it'd be New York Magazine. The New York Times Magazine actually could give it more color. Yes, yes. Um, so, so like not the Times paper, but the but the Times Magazine. New York Magazine could do it. This could be. Um, I'm trying to think, Vanity Fair could do this. Anyway, people, if, if freelancers who are out there, like out this there. is a great pitch. Uh, BuzzFeed, yes, like please be working on this because this this would be amazing. Well. Uh, we will certainly be following up with these scammers. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by our friends at Text Expander Woo-hoo! from Smile. Keep everything consistent and accurate with Text Expander. In our fast-paced world, things change constantly, and errors in messaging can have significant consequences. Text Expander lets you make approved messaging available to every team member instantly with just a few keystrokes. So your your team, your team stays consistent, current, and accurate. With Text Expander, you can get your message right every gosh darn time. Expand content that corrects your spelling and keeps your language consistent with just a few keystrokes. So your team members always know the right message for the right person at the right time without relying on memory or dreaded copy and paste. Christina, how does a text expanded improve your productivity in the workplace? Okay, so it does it so much. So like I'm like right now I'm looking at my text expander snippets and I'm looking at my section for Microsoft and I have a whole thing where I basically run like a, a regex script to convert one for- way that I format my links for my show notes to um uh, another format when I'm doing um, uh, the, the show notes for, for for the download with Christina Warren. And to run that, I I have a text expander snippet that basically executes that, that's, that, that regex, which is brilliant. So that's just one way. But I also have things where, for instance, and I've, I've mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again because it's really great. Um, when I'm getting my notes together, I have, uh, again, like an Apple script that I call, that I have a text expander snippet for where I can get a listing of every single open tab that I have in oh, my browser. Oh. And so it will then list it out with the, with the you know, numbered with the URL um, and in markdown format. And that way, when I'm then like compiling my notes, I have an easy way to reference it. It's so, so nice. That sounds really useful. As a person who has 50 tabs open right now, as a yep. listener of Rocket, if you have 50 tabs open right now, you can get 20% off your first year of Text Expander. Visit textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander. That is textexpander.com slash podcast. Our thanks to Text Expander for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, we're going to take a little bit of a turn in our, our news for today. Uh, the American news website Zero Hedge, a news website, big quotation marks there, whatever. Uh, the American website Zero the blog, Hedge, the blog, blog, has been accused by U.S. intelligence of quote unquote amplifying Kremlin uh, propaganda. So Zero Hedge is a con- conservative financial blog. Uh, which has allegedly published articles written by people associated with the Strategic Cultural Foundation, which is 
allegedly potentially linked to Russia's Foreign Intelligence Service, SVR, which was sanctioned by the Biden administration for allegedly interfering in the 2020 election. It's unclear whether uh, Zero Hedge's editorial knew about this whole chain of potential influences because, much like Forbes, uh, it's a site that uses contributors, apparently hundreds of them. And 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 also, um, I'm not going to get into the whole thing. They, they unmasked his identity a while ago, but like the original Zero Hedge guy like went by the name Tyler Durden. So that just yeah. Yeah, gives you kind of a, an idea <laughs> of the vibes. Of 100%. Uh, the articles that, that explains the the Twitter bio picture. I've never gotten that before. No. Okay, <laughs> I get it. I get it. <laughs> the articles apparently accuse the U.S. of stoking panic in Ukraine over uh, potential the potential Russian invasion, uh, featuring headlines like "quote unquote NATO sliding towards war against Russia in Ukraine." Uh, Americans need a conspiracy theory they can all agree on, and theater of the absurd. Dot dot dot. Pentagon demands. Russia explain Russian explain troops on Russian soil, uh, which is a little snide. Uh, Zero Hedge has put out a statement saying that there is quote unquote no relationship between Strategic Cultural Foundation or the SVR and Zero Hedge. And furthermore, this is the first time we hear someone allege that the foundation is linked to Russian propaganda, which of course it is not the first time they have been linked to Russian propaganda. Uh, the larger picture here is not even so much of Zero Hedge as an individual website, but that there it there exists a network of smaller conservative websites uh, taking contributors that exert p- potential political pressure in the United States as well as in Ukraine, and they are putting out articles that could potentially be picked up and amplified by more influential outlets, unaware that. Uh, said articles might have potentially been contributed by people who are creating propaganda. According to the Associated Press, uh, an investigation determined that Zero Hedge, uh, quote unquote, uh, quoting here, played a pivotal role in advancing uh, the unproven theory that COVID was engineered as a bioweapon in China. Um, And they're, you know, also involved in that whole that whole chain of of uh, of reasoning that. about COVID immunity and unproven treatments and things like that. So it's all part of a, now I sound like a conspiracy theorist. Uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll turn this over to you guys. What do you think about this? Well, I mean, first I just want to tell people we're covering this as part of scam spring coverage. So just just be ready for lots of scam coverage uh, all spring long. Um, I, I 100% believe this story. Uh, you know, Zero Hedge is linked to the Strategic Culture Foundation. There, there's been a lot of reporting through very credible researchers about uh, their, their role in uh, basically attempting to discredit NATO, um, you know, there's been a lot of stuff around COVID. So I 100% believe this story. What I think is interesting about this is if you are of a certain age, meaning my age, you will remember a thing called the Iraq War and the intelligence uh, lead up and the failures leading up to it. Um, What I have seen in the news over and over and over again with Ukraine is intelligence officials going to journalists and making assertions, making assertions about Russian troops, making assertions about Zero Hedge in this particular instance. You know, um, even the AP article, it, it notes how you know, intelligence officials are, are making these allegations, but they're declining to really go into it. And uh, you were saying sources and methods. We don't want to, like, compromise that. Um, and And So even though I think that this is a a very credible accusation, I think that there's a a wider pattern here that's kind of a a credibility duel. Um, I think that you can be a reasonable person and be a little bit – to kind of want the the U.S. intelligence service to kind of show a little bit more if they're making allegations like this publicly, because I do think that after Iraq and Afghanistan and many of the events in the last eight years, I I, I do think that that reputation has been hurt. So um, if they're going to make these allegations, I'd like to see them backed up. But in the meantime, uh, I find this eminently believable, and I think there's a you know it's part of this continuing problem about how. 
you know, Russia is very skilled at weaponizing our own ideals against us. You know, we here in the West, we believe in open expression. We believe in free speech. And they're literally using that as a weapon to take us down. Yeah. I mean, well, well, well said. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I... I don't know. I mean, I, I followed Zero Hedge for for so long, just in terms of like the spectacle of it. That it seems plausible to me. I'm not sure like uh, how accurate, or I, I would like to see more stuff backed up than than just their accusations and and uh, you know the the fact that um, they do basically let anybody write anything, and that it has very for a very long time been kind of a, a outlet for conspiratorial stuff. Uh, me, leads me not to be in the least bit surprised by this, but at the same time. Yeah, like you said, I mean, this isn't uh, the Iraq war, you know, was, you know, we was sold to the American people in part through, you know, Judy Miller at The New York Times, who was fed incorrect information. Uh, fun fact, I had to teach her how to use copy and paste on an iPhone <laughs> in 2014. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, we were, wow. we were both we were both in the makeup room at Fox together, and I had to show her how to use copy and paste on an iPhone. And I was like... Wow. Like it was wow. shocking to me. I, I was like, I was like, how dumb are you? Um, at, at, maybe it was 2015, whenever it was, she was, she was, but she was doing one network. I was doing another. And, um, anyway, so, uh, that, that's just to say that that can be the level of people who <laughs> get us into wars. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that I would like to see more stuff with it, but I also, I don't doubt it. I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me in, in the slightest. Uh, I think that their website right now, as we're recording this, is is full of a bunch of um, uh, memes uh, and and Russian memes, which, you know, um, shows that they're they're taking this exactly the way you would expect that they would. Yeah. Um, so that's, uh, it, that's it pretty fun. It kind of makes me think about... Um... I mean, spinning this out into a larger topic. Uh, what is that part? Of, that part of net neutrality that makes it so that platforms don't take responsibility. Section two thirty. Section two thirty. Thank you. I was thinking like Article two thirty four. No, Section two thirty uh, and net neutrality. In that, like, like it is plausible to me that because of the way the contributor system works, that somebody could potentially publish on on zero hedge uh without the owners of the website being aware but in this case section uh 230 uh creates a sort of uh smokescreen for situations like that no um i i i don't think so i mean i I, because i feel like you know they they could put it i mean people have published under pseudonyms for as long as you've had the press Mm mm-hmm so I, i i don't really see how section 230 would make this any different than any other you know, like in in the past, any other sort of publication. Okay. I mean, I do think that it's fair to point out that, you know, propaganda from Russia has been a major part of what's happening in Ukraine. I mean, they've been trying to divide public sentiment there for, uh, you know, uh, for, for a very, very long time with mixed success. So, um, I, I don't know. I think this is, it's a tech story in as far as, you know, the strategic now, uh, strategic culture foundation that's kind of behind a lot of this. I mean, it's, it's, you can use these things as nation state weapons. And I, I do think these two things are inherently at odds, like freedom of expression, the ability for someone to write a blog that anyone can see on an account with 1.2 million Twitter followers like that, that has reverberations. And, um, I, it's, it's just, terrible situation because like you're damned no matter what you do you can't shut it up because you know that's antithetical to our values if you do nothing it keeps hurting the country and it's just an all-around terrible situation i think it's one of the the biggest uh i i i think it's one of the biggest uh contradictions we face as americans yeah Any uh, any other thoughts, Christina? No, no. I mean, I think it's interesting. Like I said, I, I kind of I'm I'm in the position where I don't necessarily feel like it's unlikely, but I I would want to see more proof. Yeah, uh, put up yeah. or shut up. Yeah, I, yeah think, exactly. I think your point, Brie, yeah. that like, yeah, most of I think all of our listenership was around for weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> Although I, I I don't know, it does feel like there's something different in the climate, or at least maybe different about 
this because I feel like even when I was a kid, I was like, that's BS. There's no weapons of mass destruction. But yeah. I, th- I think Russia, for better or worse, has such a terrible reputation for reasons, for good mm-hmm. reasons. <laughs> it, it, it would it, it's hard not to believe in this case that the would, CIA yeah. has it right. There was there was a viral video that went around uh, for people like focused on uh, foreign policy a few days ago. It was a reporter having a really contentious um, argument with a uh, with a basically a State Department official at a briefing, and yeah, you know, they were coming forward and saying Russia is saying X, Y, and Z and using propaganda in Ukraine, and um, he wouldn't this. It's the exact same story. This particular official would not give the reporter any details and kept saying sources, methods. We just cannot reveal this. And he's like, dude, I have been here for 20 years doing this job, covering you. Like, I've been around. I know to be skeptical. I need you to show me the source here. And what I think is so interesting is, like, this kind of making these allegations without any proof behind it, that seems to be a major part of how Biden is kind of, um, uh, frankly, generating consent for what may or may not happen in the uh, in the Ukraine. Um, yeah, I'm on record being like a pro-NATO person, but at the same time, I, I don't think it's a left-right issue to be skeptical of these intelligence agencies after the last few years. So, you know, just treat the press with respect, give details, give this credibility, because it's... Uh, I, I just think it's something we want to see. Yeah, I think that's well said. Uh, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Trade Coffee. <laughs> A lot of coffee is dull and stale, or maybe questionably sourced, but it's easy to get stuck in a rut and just drink what you always have. Instead of standing in front of all the options in your grocery store and then picking up the same old thing, let Trade Coffee help you find something new to love. Trade sells the freshest roasted and ethically sourced beans from America's best independent roasters. They ship free to you as often as you like, whole or ground. Whether you're a coffee nerd or you just want a better daily cup, Trade's, or multiple cups, in my case, many, many cups, Trade's real coffee experts taste test over 400 roasts and use technology to match you with your ideal coffee based on your preferences and brewing method. Just take their coffee quiz to get started. Uh, Trade Coffee guarantees you'll love your first bag or they will replace it for free. Trade has been featured by the New York Times, Wired, GQ, and has delivered over 5 million bags of coffee. Their subscription is no hassle. You can skip shipments, change your frequency, or cancel at any time. Um, I have been enjoying my my free sample uh, there. I took the coffee quiz, first of all, which was really fun and made me think about the ways that I take my coffee, uh, which are, I think <laughs> I was listening to um, the Revolutions podcast because they also sponsor that. And the host was saying, you know, I really just like my basic coffee. And I was like, me too. <laughs> I just like ground coffee that I put in my percolator and it comes out and I drink it black. Um, but I have, you know, been getting the same kind of coffee forever. And it has been very pleasant to, like, see, you know, the upcoming roast and, like, what is what is scheduled to be sent to me. Um, I'm finishing up now my second bag, uh, which is from a roaster. Uh, I think it was roasted in Atlanta, but it's from this family-owned um, coffee farm called Alma in Central America, I believe. Uh, and I like that quite a bit, but coming up, I have uh, the Gotham Blend. No, <laughs> yes, the Irving Farm Gotham Blend. It's on the way, uh, and I'm going to read about it. No, I'm not going to read about it to you right now because I'm live on the air. Uh, I am looking at the Drink Trade website to just remind me how to do things. But yeah, like I said, the website's super easy to use, and I actually like. I I'm always pretty pragmatic about what subscription services I end up sticking with. Uh, and I really like the flexibility of this and that I can choose how often the coffee is sent and just like take pauses if I need to. So I, I've super enjoyed uh, messing around with the service. 
Can we just be honest, too? Like, grocery store coffee, like, you know, the kind of stuff you can get at the store in the giant red can, it just sucks. It's, it's Why not are you buying good. the stuff in the giant red can? I don't know. I guess <laughs> I, need to, I need to spice it up. I, I should have taken advantage of the free offer they gave the host. I told you. Use the code. I sent you the code. I will, I will use the code. I will use the code. For our listeners right now, Trade Coffee is offering a total of $20 off your first three bags when you go Woo-hoo. to drinktrade.com slash rocket. So that's what I, I actually have that right now. So three bags. They scheduled them out. I took the quiz. They said, do you want these three things? I could have swapped them in and out, whatever I wanted. doesn't matter. I'm taking what they're sending me. To get started, take their quiz at drinktrade.com slash rocket and start your journey to your perfect cup. That is drinktrade.com slash rocket. Our thanks to Trade for their support of this show and Relay FM. Delicious, delicious coffee. All right. So as as I think all our listeners are aware of, Inventing Anna has finally come to Netflix. And did I make time to watch it? No. Oh, what? Oh, you didn't watch oh, any of it? No, no. I was going to watch any of it. I ran out of time. <laughs> Simone, this, is, this affects our friendship, I'm afraid. Listen, I watched the other thing that we, I think, can't talk about. No, we can't talk that about that. that we need to watch for a future show. No, Ooh. that uh, look, and, and and I'll be honest, that one's that one's better, but, but Inventing Anna is still, like, she's still our patron saint. All right, what do you, uh, tell me what you two like about it. Uh, I'll go first, so you can I heard it was bad. <laughs> It's it's not bad. It's <sighs> trashy. It is. It is. It's like it opens up, and you've got the like off-brand rap music going with like you know Anna's face being printed on the printer press, and then like every character is just a little sassy. Do you know what I mean? Like the the it's the, a Shonda the guy. show. Yeah, right. It's it's just it's kind of. It's kind of it's 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 tr- it's trying too hard. D- mm. Does that make sense to you? And I think it's it's kind of a mistake the first episode that you want to know about Anna, and it it kind of opens up being more of a story about a journalist trying to uh, break a story, and her editor doesn't believe in 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 the story, and she's pursuing it anyway, and he wants her to go do something with the Me Too movement. And it's just, it's like, okay, yeah, that's that's great and all, but I'm here for, you know, Anna. Right. So I kind of feel like it's the wrong framing for the show and like the, the, it's just too try hard but at the core of it like every second Anna is on screen you cannot take your eyes off of her her acting is impeccable her voice like you cannot look away from it and like the actual parts dealing with Anna and you know, Rachel I, it's it's fantastic it's like just it, it's kind of a soap opera if that makes sense yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would say I think that definitely um, uh, Anna is the best part of the show. And it, it is an interesting thing because the way that it's framed is that it's as much the story of uh, um, the journalist who broke the story, who uh, the name they use in, in the series is Vivian Kent, but the real uh, journalist is, is Jessica Pressler. And, and they take some things from um, uh, the journalist's own life, um, the fact that she was pregnant during the, the duration of the article and and whatnot. But they they manipulate time in some other ways and it's clearly not based you know completely on her um which is why they're not, they don't you know use her name or whatnot she was a producer on the show but they they use you know it's as much her story about mm-hmm. writing the story as it is anything else and and as there always are with these things journalists always get very very upset about how their um you know craft is being portrayed yeah i actually found a lot of it more accurate than than people would probably like to admit to be completely honest, I mean, obviously oh, yeah. liberties what, are taken. What were some of the complaints? Well, I mean, I think the thing is, is that she gets way too involved with her subject, which is absolutely fair. And I don't know if the real uh, Pressler did or not. I know that by the time you know she was covering the um, uh, the trial, like she did let um, Anna borrow one of her dresses to to wear. I think at the sentencing, uh, they, they show it at the, the the verdict being read, but it was actually at at the sentencing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so there, there clearly was, you know, um, if, if not like a, a strong personal relationship there, there clearly was, you know, a, a relationship of, of some sort. I think people are, are bothered by that because they would like to believe that things are hands off. That ideally should be how it is, but it's a relationships business. 
Um, there, there are people that, that I'm firmly aware of and, and I'll, and I'll be honest, I don't think this is good to, to be clear, but there, there are people that, uh, there are journalists that, that a lot of people respect that I know firsthand, like what their own policies are for what they're doing for things that I actually am like, that crosses way more lines than what was shown in the series. Is it Maggie um, Haberman? You can tell it us. It is not. It is not Maggie <laughs> Haberman. Um, but uh, it is not Maggie Haberman. But but yeah, I mean, you know, but there, but that's the the framing of it. I think I understand why they chose the framing the way that they did because the it, it is all about kind of getting the article to come together. But I would also agree that like the best part of the show is is Anna. I think that the middle part of the series is where it gets better. Like when you see them in Marrakesh, when you see them, yeah. like yeah. when you see kind of her scam taking off. The the one thing that I I think um, maybe was was kind of a a mistake or a critique that I have on this is that they do seem to try to if not rehabilitate Anna, they try to yes. give her some sort of morality that, to be honest, I just don't think she has. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I understand why you do that because it would be very difficult, especially I think in 2022, which is different than 2018, it'd be difficult to just be full on like embracing a sociopath, right? Like it, it, there's a certain amount of, um, uh, you know, like uh, our our appetite for that isn't quite as strong as it was. We love the scammers, but you do want to have to try to see some sort of bit of humanity. And for a television show, which is what this is, I, I understand them trying to do that. But I did feel like that's the thing where I'm like, eh, from everything we've read, everything we've seen from her own statements, I don't actually think that she oh, has that that in her. From her hundred percent. <laughs> I was watching this and I'm like, Rachel was right. Rachel was a hundred percent right. Like I, I had read her pieces and I'm like, this kind of feels like a little bit of sour grapes to me. But uh, and just to let our listeners know, Rachel is the friend that she scammed. She's been on uh, on Rocket before, uh, out of all the money for the trip, and you know she's been very vocal in press saying like, "Look, this is wrong. You're trying to turn her into a folk hero. She's a criminal." Um, and uh, I I feel like this show really does try to make her out too much to be that that lovable scam artist. I want to <laughs> jump back though to the reporting. Stuff. Stuff, Christina, because one of my favorite bad scenes in the show so far is you've got the reporter. She's going out. She's trying to find the story left and right. She's banging down sources and trying to do everything. And then, boom, glory from high. The idea hits her. Let's go look at her Instagram. I'm like, like, if you're a decent reporter, especially an entertainment reporter, that's going to be the first thing that you're doing. I just, I didn't find that very plausible. Baffling obstacle to throw in front of a character in in 2021, whenever this was written. Oh my God. Yeah. Instagram's the first place I go when I find someone I want to spy on. Right. 100%. And the smart people have their Instagram set to private. <laughs> yes. Although I will say this. One thing that they did that was really impressive. So they make New York Magazine into Manhattan Magazine. And they recreated the old New York Magazine office. I think New York Magazine is now in the, the Vox offices where you work, Simone. But they used to work. Um, and I'd been to those offices a couple of times. And obviously, I never worked there. But I'd been there. And they recreated it to such a shocking degree that it was like – <laughs> unreal like that's like, like they fascinating got, they, they had the red walls like apparently they even sprayed like fake dust on stuff like they had <gasps> they recreated covers like they used wow. the same fonts like like they they did their homework and then some like they broke they had broken ceiling tiles that were in the same places like wow. and and that is the sort of thing that's the sort of like set direction stuff that i live for and so that was that was a little bit kind of weird to see because I've only been there like two or three times, but but I have been to New York Magazine in, in the old days before, and I was like I, I was watching, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, <laughs> that looks exactly like um, old New York Magazine. So that was that was cool. I don't know, I, I enjoyed it. I I I have kind of a uh, I think that a lot of people who are like hating on it, I think some of it might just be that the timing is a little bit different um and um and so i heard that the episodes are like they're nine and they're each like over an hour long yeah it's it's long it's long what Um, a choice what a choice i I think i would like it more there's there's another show that we can't talk about yet on this on this podcast but i think all of us have watched 
this show. And I think if I had not watched that other show immediately before watching this show, I think I would be more impressed with it, if that makes right. sense. Right. No, it does. It, no, no, I, I would agree with that, too. Um, but but I, I also just think, feel like, like the Anna Delvey thing is fascinating, and it will be interesting to see, like, what they do if, if the HBO, you know, show goes on. Um, like, that'll be really interesting uh, to, to see if, what, what they do with it. I would like to see even if it is less palatable or we think it'll be less palatable for audiences, I would like to see one that basically embraces this. One of the interesting critiques I read, um, Kevin Marks, listener Kevin Marks sent me um, someone's um, uh, Substack post uh, that they wrote. I'll have a link in the in the show notes. It was really good. Um, this was written by, uh, by, by Brandon on um, Sweater uh, Weather. Um, and uh, it, his piece was called To All the Boys I Scammed Before, <laughs> Inventing Anna and Teenage Scammers. And it talks about his own kind of life um, as uh, like a, a Brandon Taylor, as like a, um, a black man who would uh, impersonate um, women on the internet when he was a teenager. And um, in, in like the late 90s, it's a really good piece. But but he mentioned something that I think is a really fair critique, which is that the show didn't really show like the high that you feel when you're scamming someone. I do feel like that piece mm. of it, there, maybe it had it a little bit. And I feel like that's the thing that we all kind of lust for. I think that's kind of why the the uh, the, 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 the tender um, uh, uh, scammer movie documentary has been so popular. You know what I mean? Like there's a certain mm-hmm. amount of like – you like to have that montage of the person just getting away with all of it. And you like to have like, see like the celebration of it a little bit more. I think because the real Anna Delby, there's, you know, she's a pathological liar and a sociopath and um, has been still to this day, like pretty like, uh, well, she has zero remorse and, and zero guilt, but she's also continues to kind of lie about uh, her own background. You know, even when you like, well, uh, like, hold it up to her and be like, this is not, you know, mm-hmm. uh, your, your background. Like she, she will deny that. Um, I think that maybe they don't know if they could take as much life. Maybe they didn't feel like they, they could, you know, like embrace like the celebration as much. But I feel like if you're scamming on these people, you have to have a certain amount, like you have to have a, a feeling of getting off. Like there has to be a high that's involved in it. There has to be. I would imagine so, especially for someone who like entertained and partied as relentlessly as Anna did. Right, right. I mean, I I will say, um, uh, Rachel Delos Williams, she her critiques I think were were well founded. I also understand why she does not like this show. Uh, it doesn't paint her particularly well. I don't think it paints her um terribly. Um, but but it certainly is not overly sympathetic. That was to her. one of the questions that we had, wasn't it, about whether whether she would just be a dupe in the show or not. Uh, I, it's a little more complicated. It than is that. a little more complicated, I, yeah. and, and I and I have to be honest. Like I don't know her. She's been on her podcast. So I appreciate her to read her book. I feel like it. I feel like the perspective that they brought for her not completely unfair. I can totally think that that would be a valid way to present it. I totally mm-hmm. think that she would disagree with it, but I also don't look at it as like it's character assassination at all. I feel I, like there's... I think if if I had written it, I would have been a lot more sympathetic. I mean, just having read her book, I think she's an, I, I think she's an honest person that feels angry because this oh, person yeah. traumatized her on a well, certain oh, and, level. Oh, and, and, I, and yeah. I don't disagree with that, but, but, yeah. but I think that their perspective, especially when you kind of look at the perspective of some other people who were in her life, they could maybe have a different read oh, on that. You know yeah, what I mean? 100%. And, and yeah. so, so, so and, and, and it's also important to remember, like, it wasn't her work, right? Yeah. What yeah. was interesting, and and there's and this is what's interesting about it. I wish they touched on it, because this is my, was my favorite thing about the Dueling Fire Festival documentaries that we got, um, is they had to reference one another. And I love that, right? Like, yes. I love that. Um, and they did mention her book in the um, in the show. And then at the end, when they show, like, the real faces versus the other person, they mention, you know, that, that it's a bestseller or whatever. Uh, but they don't mention that she has, you know, the, the HBO deal. And that honestly makes sense because it's unclear if that's going forward or not. I'm not sure, like, what yeah. the status of that is. Um, and, and they they have the thing on the stand, which was real, which apparently was like lifted basically from the transcripts where like the where Anna's attorney basically cross examines her and, and, and talks about how much money she made on her deals and whatnot. But um, it kind of alluded to some of the tension there, but it didn't go full at it. But like what's notable here and, and I totally think especially like they optioned Jessica Pressler's piece, Jessica Pressler was sort of scooped by Rachel Delos Williams because she'd been reaching out to her wanting to get comment from her for her story. And then Rachel Williams wrote a first-person account for VanityFair.com 
mm-hmm. like before uh, Jessica's article came out. Yeah. As a journalist, oh, I'd be so livid. I would be so pissed. <laughs> I would be. I would be that's beyond a really pissed. You know good what I mean? Second point. Yeah. And 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 so that that does and and that's in there and that's like represented. But I feel like that is a tension with that particular character that you're never going to surmount. So you're right. Like if I had written yeah. it, I'd probably be more sympathetic. But I also don't feel like this show <laughs> was. In, I, I don't feel like the, it was character assassination. And I don't feel like it was unfair. Yeah, and I'll also I, say, I like, the show so from Rachel's perspective would be a worse show. Because right. that is just not. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah 100%. The, the, it, this is going to sound dumb, but the stakes are different. Yeah, go on. Yeah. No, no, no. Sorry, Simone. Um, no, I'm done. I, mean, I was just going to say, can we, uh, can we talk a little bit about Julia Garner's performance? <gasps> like, she's more so minutely, good. Because it's not just that she's good, it's that physically. They've gone through and they've reenacted like her Instagram with yeah. her oh, playing yeah. it in ways they've re- that are yeah, beautiful. they've reenacted everything. Like they even like the clothing for from the the um from from the trial. Like it's it's very good. She's a hundred percent believable, and she has a you know it's so weird because I think of her as like the 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 kind of redneck girl from Ozark, which mm-hmm. I appreciate being from Mississippi, but like she's. So versatile, like physically, an actress that like you completely buy her like uptown at the art gallery with like multimillionaires to like being in court with that like jumpsuit glasses combination mm-hmm. that's seared into all of our memories and her speaking mannerisms. That's what gets me because you could pay me a million dollars to try to like reenact her way of speaking and I could not do it. And she nails it. And it is so entrancing. I mean, it is, it is fascinating. And I, I feel like she's a, like, I always liked her on Ozark, but she's, she's a really, really good actress, y'all. Yeah, no, she, I mean, she, she's won two Emmys for Ozark and, um, and, and she's, she's great in it. And, but you're right. She totally captures it. And like, I, I've watched enough of the Anna Delvey interviews and whatnot to see that she, you know, I think, I think she, some people, have, some people even critique the accent. It's like, oh, it's not quite perfect. I think it's as close as anybody could get because it is a weird accent anyway, where, you know, she, it, it was, it mm-hmm. was Russian mixed with German mixed with just kind of like, you know, rando Europeanness and, uh, it, it, she, she's fantastic in the role and really embodies the character and, and whether it's accurate to the real person or not, you know, uh, doesn't matter. I will say, um, the, the woman who covered the, uh, show for the New York times, um, watched it with Anna Delvey and, uh, wrote about it in Cosmo and Anna Delvey's oh. response. And I will link to that. And that was actually interesting. And that woman, like Anna Delvey said this, and I have to say Anna Delvey is correct. She was like, well, you know, it doesn't matter now. This is going to supplant reality and she's right <laughs> she's right though like she's she's completely correct like yeah. at this point uh, everybody's just the same thing I, i'd argued this in in 2010 and and um like uh and and i was right like the the social network was the best thing that ever happened to mark zuckerberg and and people i think now it's changed a little bit because he's done himself no favors but like for a long for many for a long long time probably forever like more people will see that version of him as you know, uh, Jesse Eisenberg, then the real guy, right? Yeah. Like it's so. So that's I think the 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 thing with this is that for better or worse, like this is how people are going to see her, you know. And and I actually respect that uh, that Anna Delvey is self aware enough, shockingly, to know that. Yeah. Do you do you feel like even even though it's critical of her, it's a little bit of sublimated character rehabilitation without intention and without meaning Oh, 100%. I mean, look, I mean, but, well, maybe not character rehabilitation, but, like, let's be honest, we've all been celebrating her since this whole thing happened. Like, because we're we're, we're entranced by it. Like, even if you don't like the person. Yeah, that's a good point, because nobody's ever, I mean, except for the people that she scammed, um, the the quote-unquote backlash to her, like, doesn't really exist. No, because I think we were, again, I think this is what's so different about her compared to, um, um, you know, uh, Jessica Morgan is uh, like she Heather has Morgan. some Heather Morgan. Sorry. She has like the it factor. You know what I mean? She's got that je ne sais quoi that you can't describe and it's compelling and we all are sucked in. 
it's entertainment. I mean, she's a train wreck. That's why I love her, you know? Well, uh, let us wrap this up for tonight. Brianna, why don't you tell us what you're up to this week? Always be a goat, not a god. Oh, my God. Listening to everyone listening to uh, no, seriously, I'm to Boston and uh, from Miami. I've been down here fundraising, so I've got 24 hours of driving to do in the next two days. So, uh, yay, it's going to be a lot of fun. And then I've got major meetings uh, all weekend long, which I'm looking forward to. Good luck. <laughs> uh, Christina, what about you? I am um, just uh, doing some work stuff, and um, I was I was out of town last week, so I'm just like back in town this week. Um, we have a long. Uh, I, I forgot about this, and I was reminded today. We have like a three day weekend, which is nice. Oh yeah, I keep forgetting about that. Same. So uh, go like celebrating people who weren't great in our history. Yay. Um, but, but thank you for the day off, honestly. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm, I'm just, uh, just kind of chilling. Um, not, not too much, uh, just hanging out and, uh, reacclimating myself since I was away for a week. And I am working on a video that should be coming out this week, either Thursday or Friday. It's about puppets. (laughs) (gasps) Nice. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's awesome. Um, other than that, just uh, raging, raging, raging against the ISU and the Olympic figure skating, which is what I'm going to go watch oh. immediately after we. Oh, wrap it's up such tonight. a travesty! It's a freaking such... train wreck, and it's disrespectful to every athlete in that competition. Yep. And it is <laughs> further contributing to endangering young women who are trying to get into the sport and who are ruining their bodies for all time um, to land these jumps and taking these drugs that are hurting them. Anyway, I'm furious. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I'm going to go watch that. (laughs) (laughs) So, so of course you're going to support the institution. I'm going to give NBC some views. (laughs) Absolutely. I'll be yelling the whole time. Love it. Okay. Uh, Christina, where can we find you online? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. And you can uh, find the videos that I do at work, including my show, The Download with Christina Warren at youtube.com slash Microsoft developer. And Brianna. Uh, you can find me in my new Twitter account, RazzleCon fan. Uh, that's, oh, my God. Uh, Brianna <laughs> Wu, that's completely dead. No, uh, you can find me at Brianna Wu on Twitter. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at DoomQuasar and at YouTube.com slash Polygon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Rockets. I hope that you're reviewing it on Apple Podcasts right now. And I see that you're leaving four stars. Oh, how kind of you. How generous. Thank you for your contribution. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.